Hi, this is Jana Powell of Consensus, the leading Ethereum blockchain software company. I am on the edge of NFT, the leading podcast that knows what's up and just loves sharing the latest in NFTs with you. Stay tuned. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how Consensus has spent almost a decade enabling developers, enterprises, and people worldwide to build next-generation applications. And where pop named Toshi, Satoshi Nakamoto, and Ethereum intersect in the history of today's guests. And how Cavernous has built a metaverse for the ages with seriously realistic and seamless visualizations. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a gathering at NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to nftla.live to get tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Jonna Powell, co-head at Consensus NFT the world's largest pure play blockchain company that enables developers, enterprises, and people worldwide to build next generation applications, launch modern financial infrastructure, and access the decentralized web. Jana, welcome to Edge of NFT. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And you, you know, you have such a cool backstory. Would love for you to take a minute and share about it with us and I guess lead your way to how you've found your way to consensus. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much. So I have a bit of a mix of technical background and business background. I did my PhD in electrical engineering at MIT before jumping over the dark side of consulting at McKinsey. My PhD was in actually millimeter wave circuit and antenna design for high frequency imaging. Oh, nice. We talk about that every week. <laughs> and I guess the work was very deep. It was classified and I wasn't able to share it with a lot of people. So I began feeling though, as though I was kind of looking for something that was going to give me breadth versus depth. I was, you know, enabling me to kind of climb out of a deep technical rabbit hole. Not that that's bad. A deep technical rabbit hole is wonderful, but, you know, at the time, just looking for more depth or more breadth. And McKinsey at the time was recruiting heavily at MIT. And I was finding that a lot of my peers that I respected a lot were taking the route of consulting to get a stronger business background. And so I decided that I just wanted to take the leap. And uh, luckily I got a job there. And while I was there, I got a lot of experience in business acumen and analytics and solving a lot of hard business problems. And that's really stuck with me throughout all the roles that I've had since. And so I ended up finding blockchain in late 2016, early 2017. And I still feel like that's kind of late, right? I felt like I was super late to the game, even though now it seems a bit early. At the time, I was working for GLG and corporate strategy. And I was there because a McKinsey partner had recruited me to come over there and help build up his business unit. At the time, I was familiar with Bitcoin because it was discussed at MIT. It was just something that I 
you know, I think everyone, when they first hear about Bitcoin, they just dismiss it. They think it's, you know, imaginary money and doesn't make sense. So while I was familiar with it, I hadn't really embraced it until I started seeing it featured in news articles. And that was targeted toward people who were investing in gold. And at the time I was following gold markets, you know, it was right around the time it had just passed, I think this, you know, major kind of gold boom. And so I became more and more intrigued by Bitcoin and blockchain. And so I signed up to this Bitcoin conference at MIT that year, at which point I basically locked myself in Hayden Library at MIT and I read this book. And you guys are probably familiar with it. It's Andreas Antonopoulos' book called Mastering Bitcoin. And from there, I was just convinced that this was going to be a super enduring breakthrough in technology. You know, it was much like the internet. It was like reading through all of the technical details and actually making sense of the math just really resonated to me. And so I just decided right then and there at that Bitcoin conference, you know, sitting in my old grad school that I have to commit myself to finding a way to work in this field. And so around the same time, GLG had Joe Lubin as a guest speaker. And, you know, he was speaking about Ethereum and blockchain and all of its various use cases. And people were going into this talk like he was this huge celebrity. And he was, right? But everyone was super excited about him being there. And, you know, at that point, I was just so inspired. You know, Consensus was still a fairly young company at the time with this beautiful utopian vision of decentralization. And I just decided right then and there I needed to go work for Joe. So, you know, that's how I came to consensus. I I didn't, you know, approach Joe and just ask for a job. I took the old fashioned approach and I applied for an advisory partner position at consensus. And I just felt like the job description was written for me. It required like a mix of consulting and technical background and didn't require a substantial amount of blockchain experience. And it was understood these were the early days and they weren't going to get a ton of experts in blockchain at the time. So you would just learn it on the job. And so I was fortunate you know, enough to get a response right away from consensus recruiters, had a whirlwind of interviews set up and luckily, fortunately, got a job offer and you know, haven't really looked back since. Since I've been at consensus, I've worked with a number of Fortune 100 clients on various parts of their blockchain journey, you know, from ideation all the way to product build, worked on a securities issuance company, lifecycle management platform, carbon credit trading platform, a bunch of different things, and then uh, got really excited about NFTs. And that was about, I want to say, more than a year ago, started doing a number of things in the space, including partnering with Palm, Penny and Damien Hurst on the currency NFT drop. That was really exciting. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the currency NFT drop. Yeah, that one's cool. Did you get one? Oh, yeah. I got three. I actually uh, redeemed two of them for the physical. For the physical, yeah. Yep. And yeah, so that was one of the most uh, successful NFT you know, initiatives of its kind. It was six times oversubscribed, price appreciation of 10 to 20x. And that actually, believe it or not, it had a market cap of 600 million at its peak. And so after that, you know, consensus really decided we needed to have a presence in NFTs. We really didn't have a presence in NFTs. And so I spearheaded the acquisition of Trium. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Trium, uh, the founders of Euler Beats, but this is a groundbreaking platform in the generative arts and music rights and royalties space. And so now I co-lead the NFT business unit along with Tyler Mulvihill. And the team is just wonderful. They're absolutely phenomenal and just extremely talented. So that's kind of my path into consensus and into Great telling of that story. Thank you so much. I think that was one of the, it's such an open-ended question, you know, and it's great to have such a, a well-played answer to it. Thank you. 
Yeah, yeah. I can certainly relate. Um, I cut my teeth in management consulting as well for about 12 years before I was looking for something a little bit more disruptive and intangible. And but yeah, I mean, all those skills from consulting are very relevant, in my personal opinion, to the world of decentralization and NFTs, because, you know, similar to consulting, let's face it, we're we're actually building the boat while it's on the ocean, right? Like that's essentially the nature of this industry at its current state. And, you know, it's pretty amazing how much of an impact consensus has had in the space for a very long time. I would love to sort of get more perspective from you on how consensus is enabling people to to build on Ethereum and collaborate worldwide and how you guys look at the space and your role within the space. Yeah. So it's been wonderful being at consensus because the ethos is just so strong. We very much embrace the Web3 ethos. We don't see ourselves as a centralized company. And so we like to believe, you know, consensus is one of the major leaders in this, in enabling people to build on Ethereum and also collaborate worldwide. And so essentially, if you're operating in blockchain and particularly on Ethereum, the chances that you're working with one of consensus's products is really high. And we highly value and prioritize collaboration. So we liken consensus to kind of a flywheel. So one end is focused on the developers and the other end is focused on users. And so the developer end is powered by Infura and other services that help developers build Web3 apps. And MetaMask is like our consumer gateway for many of those apps. And so on the consumer side, MetaMask is the world's largest gateway to Web3. They have tens of millions of active users. We have Quorum, which you might or might not be familiar with. That's the number one DLT, like private and permissioned uh, blockchain used by enterprises. And also we use that to build Palm, the Palm network. And we also have a billion plus in tokenization projects, launches, digital assets, and, and currencies as well. And on, on the developer side, we have Infura, which is you know over 350,000 developers using managed infrastructure. So this provides API endpoints to the Ethereum mainnet. You know, they have a higher volume of transactions on Ethereum than any other provider, multiple millions of downloads of our blockchain software. Gosh, we have over over 100 companies using our smart contract audit services. We have Truffle, that's a dev environment for Ethereum, which with millions of downloads. So there's a ton of products that just enable development on Ethereum, but also in terms of collaboration worldwide, we partner with virtually all of the large EVM compatible chains. You know, you name one, we're probably partnering with them and all of the ones that we really believe are going to be winners. And that's through our programmatic enablement program. You know, so in addition to all of that, the partnership and really focusing on developers to, you know, build on Ethereum we're also backed by JP Morgan. We're by MasterCard. We're backed by UBS. We work with the largest global banks. We have large consortia across the board. And so, you know, we like to think we have expertise up and down the stack all the way, you know, down through L1 Ethereum. Well, no shortage of impact in the world, that's for sure. And I think uh, this inflection point right in front of us here, that's going to enable your reach to expand that much further, probably exponentially, I would say. And that's the merge, right? It's upon us. I think it starts today, right? And should be completed here over the next couple of weeks, if all goes well. Massive anticipated impact on sustainability, on security, on scalability. What does it mean for NFTs overall and also just for consensus? So this is um, the culmination of so many years of work, right? So 
our transition from proof of work to proof of stake is a fundamental restructuring of the world's largest purpose blockchain. Basically, in an instant, the energy requirements of the Ethereum network are going to drop by 99.95%. And so, you know, the importance of this and the impact of this is just, it's so tremendous because, you know, as you mentioned, it's like you're flying the plane and you're, you know, changing the engine mid-flight. It is very difficult. And, uh, you know, this is the culmination of years and years of work. This is a network that powers thousands of applications millions of daily transactions. It underpins, you know, billions, hundreds of billions of digital assets. And this is the first time a system of this size has essentially will eliminate its carbon footprint through innovation and redesign alone. And so NFTs are just a piece of this massive puzzle. And so what that means for the world of NFTs, I think the most obvious one is environmental sustainability. That's been one of the, you know, largest pushbacks across the ecosystem, but also, you know, importantly, security and scalability. So with respect to sustainability, you know, you can think about it like Proof of work, you know, if you were to just think about how energy is used and how much we've reduced it, proof of work uses approximately the same energy needed to power U.S. house for a week, whereas proof of stake uses the same amount of energy as making a pot of coffee. So it's a world of difference. And you're not going to have, you know, all the pushback that I've seen, you know, when we run corporate NFT projects, you usually see a lot of really negative sentiment from consumers saying, you know, this is not sustainable. How dare you? This is so irresponsible. Well, that's gone. You're not going to see those kinds of arguments anymore. But also, you know, with respect to security, the merge is going to make Ethereum five times stronger in terms of security. So the cost and difficulty of attack are going to increase fivefold overnight. And that grows as new validators are going to stake ETH to protect the network. It's 90% more cost effective. And then, you know, with respect to scalability, obviously, you know, the merge is just one piece of an overall, you know, series of activities that are going to help improve scalability. It just, it lays the foundation for all kinds of innovations that are going to make Ethereum faster and more affordable. And so the reason all of this is so critically important for NFTs is that, you know, it helps Ethereum become future-proof. So, you know, what do I mean by that? So many partners that I talk with and that our teams talk with are looking for something that is going to be future-proof. They ask, well, where is where is Tezos going to be? Where is X-Chain going to be? Why do I want to take the risk when Ethereum has, you know, next to all of the liquidity, you know, but some of the main pushbacks have been around security, scalability, and sustainability. So, you know, this is really going to enable it to be future-proof, which is great. Yeah. It's exciting. It's long awaited, right? I think a lot of people, they're watching the price of Ethereum go up and down. They're they're hedging their bets on which chains to use for NFTs and how to plan for the future. Um, so it, it'll be exciting when this happens. And let me just say one thing there on that too, just real quick, that I don't know that people really realize, especially just in general, just how many NFT projects are on Ethereum that are built on Ethereum, right? Like I think it's well over 90% still, right? It's like like 95%. Right. When you include EVM compatible chains, it's almost that. It's gone down a little bit with Solana and with a couple of the other chains, but you know, Axie Infinity as well. But yeah, it's well over 90% when you include EVM compatible chains. Right. And so it's just, you know, and, and so that's a bring it's aligning uh, so many things there where it's just like, well, why wouldn't we build on Ethereum? Why would we not launch this project on Ethereum? And you're starting to take those, we like to call it like yeah, buts. Well, yeah, but this, yeah, but that. Well, we're we're eliminating those now. It's such a big thing. I'm honestly 
surprised that the mainstream media isn't talking about it more now that it's happening like right in front of us. It's such a monumental shift, but I think they will. I think they'll look back on this moment and be like, oh, this is a major inflection point in the world of Ethereum and really just crypto in general. So amazing stuff. Well, it's sort of like, you know, you don't see a lot of mainstream media talking about Bitcoin halvening, right? Until, and it just, you see the effects of it much later, maybe, you know, six months plus after the Bitcoin halvening happens every single time almost, right? So maybe that's uh, the same thing with Ethereum. People are kind of sleeping on it and they don't quite get the impact of it. And it is a complex concept to grasp, especially if you're just not familiar with blockchains. It is a long learning process to understand all of the implications and, and you know, appreciate the difficulty in, in implementing all the changes. Yeah. Public perception moves slowly. It's, it's almost like a, a guarantee. And it's interesting to watch how it falls out. I think we've been impressed with the way that the mainstream has adopted and, and talked about NFTs over the past couple of years since we've been involved, that that's been impressive, actually, from going to starting this podcast and seeing people, you know, not know a thing about it, to sitting down in a bar and watching some sporting events where all the, there's commercials talking about NFTs. It's, it's fascinating. So I know consensus is trying to honor and reward, you know, core developers who worked on the protocol upgrades that led to the merge. And I understand there's a special NFT involved that they would receive and, and that would mark the milestone. Can you tell us more about that? That sounds very appropriate. Yes, absolutely. So we're really excited about recognizing all of the core developers who you know made the merge possible. It's definitely cause for celebration. It's a landmark moment in Web3's history. It's a testament to you know decentralized software development. And so we want to do this to thank the open community of developers, researchers, and so on who've put in you know seven years of dedication and innovation to make the transformation possible. And so to commemorate their efforts and to share this moment with the community, we've commissioned a series of NFT illustrations and they depict, you know, this elaborately detailed worlds that embody the benefits of the merge. So the themes are sustainability, security, and scalability. And so the first one that you mentioned is the limited edition drop. And so this is minted specifically for the devs. It's consensus's gift to them many of whom work for consensus. It's a token of our appreciation. And so their names are going to be included in the metadata of the NFTs. And this is just going to be airdropped to their wallet. And so we hope they appreciate it. We hope they save it. We thought about doing it as a soul bounded token, but we just thought, you know what, who knows, they might want to give it to their kids one day. So we wanted it to be transferable. So we're really excited about that one. Cool. Is that something we could take a peek at or is the art to be revealed? We didn't get that deep in our in our review. So I think you should be able to look at the art on consensus.net slash merge. You should be able to see a, a sample of all of that art. Awesome. We'll go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great segue. But, you know, with the giveaway, everyone worldwide that appreciates Web3 and the momentous nature of this event can also mint a free NFT and it's a green NFT on the main net. How do they go about doing that? Yes. Okay. So that you would go to the same website that I just mentioned, consensus.net slash merge. You should see basically everything. There's a countdown. I believe the merge is now scheduled for September 13th. So you'll see a countdown towards the launch. You can click on, you know, basically remind me to claim my NFT. We've already had 400,000 signups, believe it or not, for this uh, NFT launch. We wanted to be very, very careful about not creating complications here, not creating gas wars. So this is going to be open mint for 72 hours. 
We wanted to make sure it's going to be accessible to everyone. We wanted to make sure it's going to be easy. And so anyone who you know might not necessarily understand MetaMask, they'll have time to download MetaMask. They'll have time to ask people, you know, how do I get this NFT? And then actually you can mint as many as you want. So if you want to gift some to your grandma, you can. So it's meant to be not, you know, something that's speculative. It's meant to be something that's just commemorative and it's really for everybody. That's super cool. Again, just, again, it's a monumentous occasion. I think that uh, people will look back on this and be like, oh, well, that that was a moment, right? There's only a few of those here so far in the history of crypto. I think actually like it's a good litmus test for consensus to know what Ethereum wallets are active with people that are like paying attention to what's going on in the world versus like wallets that someone forgot about maybe like three years ago. Yeah, exactly. And who knows how many wallets have been forgotten, but sort of like Satoshi Nakamoto's wallet, we, you know, he's probably not going to be claiming <laughs> his merch NFT, <laughs> but it'll be interesting. There's also one other, we're minting a one of one NFT to commemorate the merge. It's going to be minted on merge day. And it's, you know, just an attempt to, you know, leverage the moment for a greater good, you know, mint the snapshot of, of the moment. And uh, what we're going to do with that one is um, auction it off to a cause that can extend the climate and sustainability impact of the merge. So that's another one you can watch out for. We're going to be auctioning it probably on OpenSea and you'll be hearing about it later. Amazing. Amazing. And so this is really going to open the door to so many different things here for consensus in the future. What do you have in the pipeline coming off the heels of the merge, like collaborations, partnerships, like new features? What's going to be going on? Yeah, it's a great question. So, and there are so many partnerships that right now I'm not at liberty to speak of yet. Some of them in the music space, we've got a lot of really, really cool musicians that we're looking to partner with. Some in the sports space that we're extremely excited about. I just, you know, we can't speak publicly about it, but suffice it to say, you know, the world is bright and it's just incredibly exciting, even in the depths of the bear market. You know, people are still excited about doing NFT projects and really really thinking about, you know, the next phase of everything where we get to incorporate utility, where we get to incorporate brand engagement and fan engagement and really think about it as an augmented, like supercharged loyalty program. You know, so we've been involved in a bunch of exciting projects. I mentioned the Damien Hurst, I mentioned Euler Beats. Um, we're working on a luxury blockchain platform that features multiple brands. Some of them are launching, some of them are launching soon. We partnered with Estee Lauder, Mac Viva Glam, BBTV, you'll be hearing about some of um, some of the launches from BBTV. And, you know, our white label platform is robust. We have a lot of user desired features that a lot of leading products don't have. So it's a little bit under wraps. And, you know, we have plans to speak a lot more about it in the future. We'll be all ears uh, and waiting patiently, I guess, for those. So yeah, ton of stuff going on and appreciate your sort of understanding of the scope of everything and being able to share it. Definitely got the right guess here. <laughs> <laughs> And probably a lot easier though than your PhD dissertation in terms of <laughs> answering questions. What other projects have you been following closely in the NFT space? As someone who's pretty enthusiastic, I'm, I'm curious to hear you know, what you're impressed by. So many. I'm going to sound maybe generic because I'm always following Yuga Labs. I love Yuga Labs. I think they're a genius team. I love everything they've done for the space. You know, I'm, I'm a collector. I love their metaverse partner, Improbable as well. I found, find their CEO, Herman Narula, to be incredibly inspiring. So I absolutely love Yuga Labs. I personally like V1 CryptoPunks. I think it's a, a true piece of history, like the original, original punks. I know it's a little bit controversial to say that, but I follow it. 
NFT worlds is another interesting one of mine, you know, because of what happened with Minecraft and Mojang, like deciding not to support NFT development on their platform. This project really suffered a major setback, but it seems the devs are really dedicated to their communities. So I'm really, I'm following what they're doing. I'm, I'm really interested to see what, what their response to this is going to be. I like projects that are very community focused, who just don't care about the floor price and aren't following it because they're just doing their thing. Like, you know, women-led projects like World of Women, deeply connected to their communities. So I'm sure I'm leaving a whole bunch out. I used to follow, you know, maybe 20 or 25 projects, but these are kind of like, you know, in the bear market, you kind of stop following all the superfluous ones and you just hone in on the ones that you're really passionate about. I'd love to hear what you're interested in. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> first of all, I mean, first of all, to be, you know, it's really interesting. We hardly have time to follow individual nft projects because we're like producing the show and like the conference and it's kind of surprising you know but we do just sort of have like nfts like kind of are very accessible right like there's opportunities we have to access things that you know just to don't run across people's plates every day but i think the other part of it though to be honest is is just the community nature of the projects that we support it's just the nature of this business right where you meet a founder you connect with them on a on a one-on-one -on -one basis, you appreciate their passion and desires in the space. You know how hard they're working. And like, you know, buying the NFT is like this sort of badge of support. It's a really special thing. And, you know, some of those friends come from the show, like a lot of them do. And we've stayed in touch since then, or we met before the show. But, you know, shout out to Ed Mason at, you know, Frogland. He started with a PFP project, very creatively done, and it's turned it into this, you know, really robust metaverse that takes all of his, like, knowledge of AR, VR, and that world into a super high, vivid reality metaverse. So, like, I'm just a fan of Ed. Anyone that's going to go to a conference wearing a green suit gets, like, a, a green check mark in my book, right? <laughs> so I'll share that one since you asked. <sighs> nice. And I'll share one that, like, I don't think he's on many people's radar. We actually had the privilege to work with him for a little bit, this young guy named uh, Gilbert Pacheco. And uh, we got him working on our social media assets and things like that for a bit. But uh, he's got a giraffe NFT project called Tower Squad, which we met him through our Discord. You know, he's a super fan. And I just love the art. You know, so I picked up a few of these Tower Squad giraffe NFTs. And we also have some other people in our community creating giraffe NFTs. For some reason, it's very fertile territory. So we've got folks that went touring around the country in a gra I don't know if it's giraffe themed gratitude bus or a gratitude themed giraffe bus, but basically just, you know, spreading gratitude through their giraffe uh, NFT project. They brought it to NFTLA and, and all over the country. So it's fun. Everyone's looking for the next animal, right? The next animal that's going to catch on virally. <laughs> Never know. One more to check out. Do you, have you heard about boss fighters? I have not. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you didn't listen to that episode of the show, but that's okay. You're very busy. Adam is just a pure game designer, born and bred, super passionate about developing games that really engage for the long term. And, you know, he took a shot at a really special... AR VR game where you can play on your phone, you can play on your computer and you can move around and your fighter moves with you and you can start to like beat up other fighters by moving your body. And it's like, you know, it brings so many different concepts together into one game. I just have a lot. I have a warm 
feeling in my heart for someone that like is that committed to a great gaming experience and I wish him the best. Oh, awesome. Got about 185 others here. So let me run down the list. And there's a lot. There's a lot. Now, all the guests doing amazing things. We definitely have a lot of respect for builders and creators. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right. This full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. We want to talk to you about some questions we like to call edge quick hitters, Jonna. And these are 10 questions we ask every single guest of our episode. They're really looking for kind of short Single word or few word responses, but we can dive in a little bit more here or there. Are you ready to jump in? <laughs> sure, I'm ready to jump in. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Question number one. What's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? <laughs> Honestly, I have no clue. I think I have no clue. I think it might've been like candy or some kind of a toy that I got for my allowance money when I was like five years old. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for you there. That's all right. Question two. What's the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? So I do remember this. I tried to be quite entrepreneurial. I think it was probably lemonade, like a lemonade stand, you know, outside my front house. I think I would raid my house and sell my mom's makeup and, you know, nuts and just totally random things we had around the house. And neighbors would come by probably because they felt sorry for me and buy my random stuff. And probably the next one was Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, Girl Scout cookies. Mm-hmm. Tough to uh, resist. Question number three. What's the most recent thing you purchased? I think it was New Mexican bean burritos because I am right now visiting my family in New Mexico. This is where I was born and raised. And I have an obsession with green chili as any native New Mexican would. And I'm also vegan. So, you know, bean and green chili burritos are, you know, the vegan way to get my green chili fix. Nice. Yeah. And I didn't realize that green chili, huh? that's the move in New Mexico. It is New Mexico thing. Okay. Question four, what's the most recent thing you sold? I think it was my USDC. So I could DCA into ETH and other alts. 
All right. Rock and roll. Question number five. What is your most prized possession? Aside from my family and friends, probably my dog, Toshi, my little golden, a mini golden retriever mix. Little Toshi. Nice. Love that. Question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? I assuming money is no object. If I'm assuming money is no object, it would be all the ETH in the world. Wow. (laughs) Money would need to be no object. That's for sure. Very cool. Yeah. Question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Uh, I would say maybe conscientiousness, extreme ownership, honesty. I think a lot of those are highly underrated, especially in our uh, political environment right now. Mm. It's uh, Yeah. Accountability is something that's uh, kind of freeing in the extreme case, right? People, A lot of people don't necessarily realize that, do they? Question number eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? So I think this is a double-edged sword, but I think I would eliminate being what they call at McKinsey an insecure overachiever. They say they're higher for that personality type. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily serve you well. Got it. This is actually a term of art at McKinsey, huh? <laughs> that is, that's, that's what they say they hire for, but. I got it. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Question number nine. What'd you do just before joining us at the podcast? So I've been working on a really cool NFT deal. Fingers crossed. Um, hopefully we'll have some really good news to share in the upcoming weeks. Oh, okay. Little teaser. Uh, last one, question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I am going out with my family. I'm currently visiting my sister. So I'm looking forward to time with my niece and nephew. Oh, that'll be great. How old are they? Six and nine. Six and nine. Fun age. I might have a bonus question. Oh, we got a bonus question. Yeah. I think it should be a, it should be just like a softball here, but I'm just curious why double conversion, super heterodyne down converter blocks operating around 77 gigahertz and 94 gigahertz might have been realized in 0.13 mum side G Bic Moss technology. <laughs> You're asking about my PhD thesis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Silicon germanium technology that just ha- had a higher resistivity and therefore you could run much higher frequency applications on that technology rather than regular CMOS. Of course. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. That helps. Come on, Ethan. We all know that, man. Come on. You're you're testing my memory. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds super familiar. (laughs) Nice. Well, word on the street is beyond the bonus question. We also have a hot topic to get to. So Ethan, what do you say? Yeah, let's hit it. And our hot topic guest is welcome to flip on his video audio here. Today's sponsored spotlight hot topic features Anthony Duca, CEO and co-founder of Cavernous Incorporated. And Anthony is a technology visionary pioneering the development of emerging software technologies, covering early internet marketplaces, intuitive data management, and 3D visualization with a focus on human machine experiences that drive revenue and brand opportunities. Early in his career, Anthony held a variety of influential management positions at General Electric, where he completed GE's two-year management training program. In 2002, Anthony co-founded Bunk Speed and helped revolutionize 3D workflows and processes for automotive design. Currently, Anthony is CEO and co-founder of Cavernous, an extended reality technology company enabling enterprises, brands, and creators to build immersive metaverse experiences across teams, partners, 
and customers for connected growth and shared experiences. Anthony holds a BSEE with high honors from Rutgers University. And uh, we're looking forward to talk to Anthony today. How's it going, Anthony? Going great. So Anthony, while we were talking with Jonah, I assume you were reading her thesis. Uh, (laughs) I was trying to understand what she said at the very end. (laughs) My electrical engineering degree gave me some insight, but not a lot. All right. Well, uh, more than me, my friend, more than me. It's good to see you again. And thanks for being part of the first NFTLA. We got 2.0 coming up and you've been busy building, man. By the way, that first NFTLA was amazing. So I'm super fo- looking forward to the second one. Thanks. We can't wait to have you back. And uh, we're planning to make it bigger, better, you know, really special. So, and meanwhile, you've been building, man. You've been building this ultimate metaverse builder platform that's really pushing the limits of creation, which is what we like to talk about here on Edge. Um, I would love to learn more about it and how you got here. Great. Yeah. So I am a creator at heart. Everyone loves an origin story, so I'd like to sort of give you a little bit of the journey of how I got to this point. And I think of myself as an outlier, and I say that with humility, not that it's something special, but it correlates to a book written by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. I love that book. Oh, it's phenomenal. I put in my 10,000 hours times 10 because I've been doing this for 30 years. And I also had a set of circumstances when I grew up that gave me the fortune to be able to do what I'm doing today. I happened to have a father who started a computer store back in 1978 and had one of the first Radio Shack TRS-80 computers. So that set of circumstances led me to get into the computer field. And I fell in love with games. And the first adventure game I started with was one of these ones that were text-based that they give you a question. You have a, you can get a knife. You're in a cave. You can get a knife or a glass of water. What do you choose? And it starts to traverse you down to a set of things that eventually either you win or you die. Example is if you take the glass of water, you may wind up getting eaten by a bear because you didn't have a weapon to kill the bear. So that was my first foray into games. And then I got into Asteroids and Pac-Man and the arcade where you had to put quarters in. But one of the eye-opening experiences for like what a game could be was Dragon's Lair, which is like 1983, which was a cartoon that was interactive. And you were playing this. And for me, it was amazing to experience that level of graphics. And so that always stood out in my mind as graphics and visual quality matters in the world of computer graphics. And so fast forward to bunk speed, where we really took game technology and said, what happens if we bring that to the enterprise where they're visualizing CAD data looking flat? Can we make it look real? Can we make it interactive? Can we make it dynamic? So engineers and designers can make more educated decisions. And it turns out that in 2002, you could take gaming technology You can take an engineering CAD file, you could bring it into that environment and make it look real. And our first customers were in the automotive industry. And so we targeted automotive visualization. And for them, it was like magic, which is any great technology is indistinguishable from magic. It was magic because a designer could take a CAD file, drop it into our product. We automatically recognized the wheels. We made it drivable. And they could see their car with a PlayStation 2 controller and drive it around. So it was amazing. And so that experience sort of 
opened my eyes up to how to enable creators. You, you make things easier. You make things high quality. Decisions can be made. And my co-founder, Nick Gebby, who's here at Cavernous, I met him back at Bunk Speed. He was the genius that wrote the rendering engine. Bunk Speed got acquired by Dassault Systems. That's now in SolidWorks and Cavernous sort of came out a year later once we discovered the Oculus DK1 and we were like, VR is going to change everything, but 3D is going to change everything. So we want to build this new metaverse platform that has high quality visuals, that runs on any device, that is enterprise ready, but also can be consumer ready. And you know, here we are. That's a lot to pull together. I mean, to say it in a few sentences makes it sound like, oh yeah, we just wanted milk, eggs, you know, bread and some broccoli and especially mobile ready. That's ambitious. So it's cool. Yeah. And so uh, tell us about where you're at, man. Where is this uh, all led to? Yeah. So the focus at Cavernous really is we're empowering creators to create what we call the high quality metaverse experience and to deliver that to any device at scale. So if we break that down, High quality visuals means you really have accurate, high quality lighting. You have great effects, particle effects, great animation, skinned and rigged types of animations, lots of interactivity. The metaverse becomes alive. And so we are building the set of creator tools to allow creators to do that. And so that's been the focus. And even behind me right now, as you see, I'm actually in the metaverse. You're in the metaverse. Wait, I thought that was just your Zoom background. Out the window here, there's some trees here, Ethan. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I think those are some trees that you might want to talk about. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Ethan, those look familiar. Now, I'll tell you what, just even the fact, listen, I'll tell the listener what's going on because people are just listening. They don't know. So he's sort of like in a virtual room. He's zooming around. He showed us, we're a little bit surprised because he kind of showed us that he could do this before we started the episode. But we gave him just some quick, threw over some GLB files of the Living Tree NFT collection and asked if he could throw them into his metaverse. And he said, yeah, sure. Now, I'll tell you what, I've asked this of several people in various situations, and it's not as easy for everyone to do as you might think. They might want you to convert it to a different file type. It might make their engine run slowly, and so they can only add one. He's got a handful. He planted a little forest and put one on his desk as a decoration, and that's pretty impressive, and everything's working very well. Are you going to have an ETH merge party in, in the metaverse, <laughs> Anthony? Like, uh, You're going to have sounds... a blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's cool. We even have a little Edge of NFT screensaver on the computer screen there in the background, which is awesome. I appreciate that love. <laughs> and I happen to be in here with like uh, several people from my team. So if I just unhide some of the UI here, you'll see I'm here with eight other people. And one of the great things about our product in this new release is we support third-party avatars. And everybody's got their ready player me on. No, sorry. I'm sorry. The only thing you're missing, though, is your VR dog to interrupt the podcast session, which <laughs> typically happens when people share there. I have a parrot. I have a blue and gold parrot. I had to leave my house to do the podcast at my office because my parrot <laughs> was screaming and that wouldn't go over very well. <laughs> Toshi might make an appearance here any minute, I think. John. Wait, John, is Toshi with you? He's got to be with you, right? No, I'm uh, unfortunately I'm in New Mexico. Toshi's in New York. Where I live. Yeah, I'm visiting family right now, so I fortunately couldn't bring my dog. But if I could, I would show her to you. <laughs> well, Jonah, you see a lot of technology uh, in your role. 
how does this uh, compare to some of the other metaverse technology that you've, you've it looks amazing. I would love to explore it more. It looks just super cool. It looks immersive. Yeah, definitely comparable. I would love to hear about, you know, kind of uh, what differentiates it in your mind, Anthony. Oh, yeah, sure. So our focus really is on delivering this very high quality visual experience. And so that means that it can't just be Web 3D. Web 3D is amazing. It's got low friction but you have a lots of limitations to what you can deliver today in a web 3D experience. And the future is super bright for web GPU, but it's not here today. And so we're trying to deliver the quality that people expect today for certain experiences. Some things are better in web 3D than here, but we build an application. We also support Unreal Engine, but this application you're looking at here is our creator tool. And this is built with Unity. And it's an application, but we have ways of deploying it to any device. We support VR. We support AR on an iPad. We support desktop, Mac, PC, mobile. We also have a streaming system as part of this release so that we can stream this experience to all the devices that don't have the compute but have decent latency that we can stream them in a really great experience like a game would be extreme. So our focus really as a differentiator, we've made a decision that we want to deliver the highest visual quality experience. And that's my background and my co-founder's background. And it's your Zoom background. Yeah. But I think it's worth noting why we're sort of geeking out here is Anthony is moving around this virtual metaverse, but the latency, it, everything's crisp. It quickly converts over. There's no like whiplash. It doesn't hurt your eyes, right? To see it, it, and like the speed of the movement feels graceful. So these are nuances that, you know, I've learned to appreciate from demoing a lot of different products in, in this space. No, that was so cool. The blizzard that you uh, were just <laughs> magically able to create. It's just, it almost feels real. Like, oh, I feel like being in a snowstorm. I'm just going to do it right now. <laughs> we could turn it back on. Given this heat wave, it's like, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. There you go. We got more snow. <laughs> well this is all really really awesome. beautiful stuff and we know you're super focused on on creators which is another really smart play and unfortunately we have to wrap up the segment pretty soon here but we do want to know like where people can go to, to find out more and uh follow you and, and keep up to date with the project great yes yeah, so we are very active on linkedin so you can go look up cavernous on linkedin you can find us on twitter and our URL is uh, cavern.us. It's our company name with a dot after the end. So cavern.us, C-A-V-R-N dot U-S. Well, there it is. Lots of fun things coming up. And also one thing that we do want to call out is uh, we got a little giveaway. Uh, Anthony, I don't know if you want to share with our listeners a little bit about that. It's very generous though. Yes. So we're going to provide to your listener base, three people are going to win a one-year subscription to the creator tools where they can create experiences like this pretty darn quickly. And that's a $1,200 value per person. So that's $3,600 value. So three of your lucky listeners are going to be creating and sharing and deploying these at scale. Oh, wow. Super generous. And I'm sure much more value will be created from those individual subscriptions. So we really appreciate it. Anthony, man, thanks so much for, for joining us today and sharing everything that's happening over at Cavernous. We'll keep a close eye on you guys. Thank you. Take care. Talk soon, brother.
All right, y'all. Well, um, I think we are ready to move to the next segment, which is an important one for us. And we've, we've recently introduced it. And this is a little section where we like to give a little shout out to people that are important in our world or the world of our guests. And, and John, we wanted to, to give an opportunity to do exactly that and give a little love to an individual or a group of individuals that are moving the needle in your life. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, There's literally just so many people. We have an incredible team at Consensus. We have incredible leadership at Consensus. I mean, just off the top of my head, Tyler Mulvihill is an incredible co-lead. He co-leads this business unit with me. He's amazing. Couldn't do anything without him. I mean, we're just a a fantastic team. Konstantin Kostenko, Shane Lightoller, Gabriel Dantas, Mia Gugusha, Kuba, our uh, guru at BizOps, Dan Zyder, Jacob Hagloff, our creative lead, Gus Barta. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing people, but these team is just so wonderful. We have an amazing culture together. And of course, Joe Lubin is just fantastic and he's so inspirational. We just, you know, absolutely are inspired by him every single day, um, along with our, um, our leadership team and amazing support from our marketing team as well. Beautiful. Well, it sounds like you do have an amazing team over there and we appreciate you uh, sharing a little bit about uh, how y'all operate and giving them a little bit of love. So before we wrap the whole episode, John, we do want to take a minute and make sure folks know where to follow you and the project and everything that's happening over there. Sure. Um, you can certainly follow me on Twitter. I'm at, uh, it's a little bit weird, JD underscore Powell underscore. I couldn't get JD Powell, but that's my Twitter handle. You can look me up on Twitter. My name is Jonna Powell, J-O-H-N-N-A Powell. You can probably find me easier that way. Instagram, JD.Powell. But more importantly, you know, look up consensus.net. Look up, you can navigate to our NFT site. You can see everything that we're doing in NFTs. You can see everything that we're doing across the product suites at consensus on Twitter. That's probably enough. (laughs) Yeah, should be sufficient. Not hard to find. Well, again, we really appreciate you joining us and sharing so much of the goodness that's happening over there. Likewise. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. 